Where there is competition, there are winners and there are losers. As leaders, we just don't like to win, we need to win. And we know that the three keys to success are a clear strategy, determination, and having the right team of people. But the question with onboarding talent is not if we build our team, it's when. On this two-part episode, the lead pastor of iTown Church, Dave Summerall, helps us tackle two really tough questions. When do we hire a team member? And when is it time to let a person go? Let's get to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, where we work hard to help organizations make better business decisions. We're so honored you're spending time with us today because we know an organization is only as good as its leadership. If you're new to the show, welcome to the Kelly family. We put out a weekly podcast that offers three to five practical tips you can apply to your leadership right away. And to our loyal listeners, thank you so much for your support. We would love to hear from you. Send us an email to ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U so we can answer any questions you may have about business. Okay, so a big question many of us leaders ask is when do I pull the trigger to hire a new team member or when is it time to let that person go? On this two-part episode, we're going to give you the tools to make that decision for yourself with confidence. This week, we are going to tackle the question when to hire a team member. And on next week's episode, we're going to go over when is it time to let that person go? We sat down with the lead pastor of iTown Church, Dave Summerall, who leads a nonprofit organization with 32 staff members, over 1,000 volunteers, and eight locations all over the state of Indiana, including four correctional facility campuses. As nonprofit organizations put less focus on monetary gain than for-profit entities, it can be tough to know when you can afford a new employee or if your organization can survive without an individual if you're to let them go. I would say the biggest challenge that we face as a nonprofit is we don't pay everybody to do everything. So we're an organization that operates every weekend with nearly a thousand team members that we don't pay. So our workforce is unpaid, which in some respects is a huge disadvantage because you can't just pay people to go get a bunch of stuff done. But we like to see it as an advantage because uh, people don't have to be there. They're there by choice. And so the difference in all of that is at the end of the day vision. It's casting the vision and helping people understand their sense of being a part of something greater than themselves and the fact that we genuinely care about them as a person as well. And then another thing that's extremely unique compared to a for-profit company is that we, from a financial standpoint, only do business, quote-unquote, two days out of the week because we have services on Saturday and Sunday. But in essence, everything happens in Saturday and Sunday that drives the financial model of our church. All of our financial model is based on people just giving out of the generosity of their heart, seeing the difference that we're making as a church and believing in that difference and trusting us with their finances. And so all of what we do financially, spiritually, culturally, relationally, 
it all is fueled out of those two days, which you'd be hard-pressed to have a retail store open for a day and a half out of the week to drive all of the sales of the company and be successful. Nonprofit organizations also possess a greater challenge than for-profit companies because, as Dave said, they must have a strong volunteer core bought into the organization's culture. And if we're not careful, it could be easy to create systems and policies and procedures that take us away from the founding principles of what the church is all about. And so that's probably been the greatest challenge as the church grows is continuing to make sure everybody understands what we rally around, why we rally around it, why it matters, and keep that culture and focus uh, incredibly pure. And at the same time, you know, people are our most valuable asset as well because people buying into the vision and having their lives changed is what fuels the continued growth because in a church setting, found people find people. Culture isn't something that we shoot for. It's something that we are. And so before we decide when to hire or when to let a team member go, we have to clearly define our company's culture. If you want to know how to reinvent your culture, check out last week's episode with Lee Cockrell, the former executive vice president of operations for Walt Disney World Resorts. Culture isn't something so much that's that's spoken, it's something that's incredibly felt in a church environment. And so you can tell when culture feels off, and we always are very diligent to drill down why does it feel off. And it's always because an attitude or an opinion or a perspective is off. So we monitor it just by talking about it all the time, keeping it fresh and clear in front of the team, and then having constant conversations about why does this feel off and why does this feel right? And let's drill down what that means and why that conversation and the motivation behind it was wrong. And maybe the outcome seems right, but at the end of the day, it's a little bit more legalistic, doesn't feel like who we are. So we boil it down to just the very simple values of loving God, loving people, having a spirit of excellence, and making sure that we do everything in an attitude of fun, that we actually get to enjoy it. And when we think through that filter, then it makes it really easy uh, to navigate church life. Once we have our culture clearly established, now we begin to decide when to hire or when to let go of a team member in our organization. One of the phrases that we have is culture has to be caught, it can't be taught. It can't just be a set of rules, it has to be something, like I said, that you become. And so it takes time being in the right kind of culture to be molded by it. And so in some cases, we have hired from the outside and we'll give them a period of time uh, when they're coming from a different system or different culture into our stream to adapt to it. And some people make that transition very nicely and other people, they just don't catch the culture. And so because we understand the culture is the most important thing, we never sacrifice it for a person that has potential or uh, ability. And so I would say with, with organizations that are fighting for that new culture with a new person, uh, making sure that from the top down everybody understands it and embraces it, those new employees will clearly stick out like a sore thumb when they don't embrace it. And so then they have to make a hard choice. So it's not something that happens behind the scenes. It's something that's very obvious to everyone, including the people that don't embrace the culture. So let's answer the first question. When do we hire a team member into our company? The first thing we need to do is define our personal strengths and recognize our weaknesses as a leader. I had to constantly ask myself the question, there, there are things that only I can do. As the organizational leader, as a C-level executive, as an entrepreneur, uh, there is a, a unique 
giftedness in that one person. And whatever that is, you have to be self-aware to understand this is what I bring to the organization. A number of people can do the accounting. There's someone else that God's called to lead students, and there's somebody else that's called to lead worship. I, I don't have any ability in that area. And so when it comes to all those other jobs, like we talked about before, as the organization grows, you have to identify where the greatest need is organizationally that would keep me from doing what God's called me to uniquely do. And every pastor, every C-level executive, every entrepreneur is different in what they want their focus to be and where their strengths lie. And I've always embraced the philosophy of just staffing my weaknesses. I'm not going to spend all my life trying to get good at the things that I'm bad at. I'm going to let other people do those things, and I'll just do what God has uniquely gifted me to do, my, what my strengths are. And I think that works in every single organization. And for every high-level leader, uh, that's a different set of strengths. Everybody has unique gifts. Good leaders check their ego at the door. They have a high sense of self-awareness. They know their strengths and they know their weaknesses. And they surround themselves with a team that compensates for their weaknesses. The next way to answer when to hire a new staff member is to create a budget floor and a budget ceiling for those salaries. We operate uh, based on a, a budgetary process that says we won't exceed 35% of our income on salaries. So we have that as a ceiling that we're always operating under. And so that's our first guideline that we have to look at. Then we also understand that uh, there's a number that could be too low. And I don't know what that percentage is. There are years that we've been in the low 20s in percentage-wise, but the church was in some cases understaffed. And when that's the case, you have too many people doing too many jobs, details are dropped, and people are overworked. And sometimes, even when we are fully staffed, if we're under that 35%, if we find somebody that's, that is a great leader of leaders, we'll bring them on because we know that they're a game changer in the organization. And at every season of growth for an organization, there are different things that you need. Like uh, now that we're at the size we're at, we really need a motion, we needed a motion graphics designer. Well, that's not something that you need at a church of a couple hundred. You need to pay the pastor, you know, and when you get to 500, you need a worship leader. And so there are different benchmarks that you hit along the way in the size of the organization too that uh, have unique positions. And so Depending on the industry, there are obviously unique things that you would need uh, as you continue to grow, and figuring out what those are to take your company or your business to that next level to differentiate. I know that uh, you know we don't often talk about it because it's we're all in the same team when it comes to the kingdom, but when it comes to market share, you have to identify what's your market niche, what's going to differentiate you from the competition and lean into those things, staff that team specifically to make sure that you're poised for growth. Budgets are important guideposts, especially when you run a nonprofit. You have to be very careful how you spend your cash because at the end of the day, you're always wanting to do more for the people that you serve. Internally, a budget also makes it clear to the people on your team the resources that they have to get the job done. And you have to have a culture that emphasizes the fact that that's how much we have, we got to do the best with what we've got, because if we have that mindset, again, we'll sustain ourselves and move forward and be around in another 10 years. And finally, once we have our budget, in order to answer the question when to hire a new team member into our organization, we must decide the attributes our future employees must possess to be successful. Well, there's a few things on staff that we embrace uh, when it comes to 
people just having the right culture. Like we said, we want to be in love with God. We want to love people. We want to have excellence. We want to have fun. But under that is kind of a subset of values that we look for. Like the top one would be humility. And so we have to have some confrontational conversations with people because everybody makes mistakes and everybody fails. And so you have to constantly correct and train. And so somebody having a humble approach towards it and not really drawing people to themselves, but drawing people to the vision, that's very, very important. And then, of course, teachability is incredibly important for us. And I love Craig Rochelle defines teachability as the ability to learn what you think you already know. And so I love our staff to always be learning. And in those teachable moments, if I have to come along shoulder to shoulder, I don't want them to be defensive. I don't want them to try and protect uh, their decisions. I want them to be open-hearted, open-handed, and and listen. Because I think that uh, even for our staff, some of the best ideas that we've ever had come from people who serve on our teams. We can even be taught by the people around us. And so I want them to always be teachable. And then I want them to be honest. There's nothing, there's nothing more annoying than uh, having to correct a problem only to dance around the subject for three days because nobody will take responsibility for who is actually to blame and the truth is kind of fuzzy of who said what and who did what and whose fault it really was. I tell our team all the time, I really don't care whose fault it was. I just try, I need to fix the problem. So I just need you to be honest with me. Did you make the mistake? Did you not make the phone call? Did you not uh, you know, have that conversation like I asked you to have? Because... It's okay if it didn't happen. I, we just need to know where we're at. We need clarity in, in what we're actually talking about. Uh, and then I have to have flexibility from our team. You know, somebody that's incredibly rigid and inflexible when they get very territorial and they want to kind of silo the organization and have just their little area that they're in charge of. Um, you know, that's really prohibitive. So when I see somebody that's, you know, hey, if I need you to stay five minutes later, I need you to come in 10 minutes earlier, that lack of flexibility can really jam up the culture because it kind of, you know, we work as a team. And I think we have to be really flexible. And then obviously people have to be resilient. If you're not resilient in any organization, if you can't take correction and come back from it, if you can't have a failure and come back from it, then eventually, you know, especially in ministry, it's a very difficult uh, industry to be a part of because you're dealing with people's lives and, and everybody makes mistakes. And so we need them to be resilient. If we don't see those attributes and qualities in people, we know it's just a matter of time before uh, before they're no longer with us. But we value those at a very high level when we see them. We try to make sure that all of that fleshes out before they ever come on the team. And as they're doing all that, we can again see do they have the heart for the house? Do they have? Do they embody the culture? Do they understand the vision? Is this something that they're making sacrifices to be a part of it? Because um, those are all things that are necessary in order to uh, really be successful. When you recruit talent and you interview individuals, you have to anchor that in an objective sense of what you need. Taking an inventory of the traits that you need before you list the job and you invite candidates to talk with you is important because it keeps you disciplined in who you hire. You don't want to hire someone because you like them. Because if you just like them, that doesn't mean they're going to be successful. And if they come in and they're not successful, that's both unfair to the organization, but more importantly, it's unfair to the individual. So you at the, at the beginning of the process, you want to define those traits, interview to filter for those traits, and then hire based on those traits. At the end of the day, that's what makes everybody better and what helps the organization move forward.
So let's recap. Organizational leaders may not struggle with if to hire a new team member, but more so when to bring them on board. As Dave said, the key starts with the clearly stated and defended culture within your organization because culture acts as your litmus test to when you should hire. Once you start answering that question, now comes the plan. The first step to knowing when to hire a new employee is to identify our personal strengths and recognize our weaknesses as leaders. Remember, we're concentrating on building our talents rather than putting all of our effort into approving our shortcomings. Our weakness then becomes the hiring criteria for future employees. Next, we need to set guidelines for our organization that protects us from spending too much or too little on the right help. That comes in the form of budgets. For iTown, they do not exceed 35% of their organizational income on salaries, yet they also understand they cannot operate if they only spend 20% either because details are missed, people carry too much responsibility, and everyone is then overworked. Finally, it's vitally important that as organizational leaders, you define the characteristics of what makes a great team member in your company. This helps to specifically identify traits for your future team, which in turn protects the culture and keeps your organization operating at maximum efficiency. Be sure to tune in next week as we continue this two-part podcast where Dave Summerall helps us answer the next tough question, when do we let a team member go? This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, where we help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.